What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Yeah, welcome back to the Outkick Bets podcast. I'm the host, Jeff Clark. It's NFL Week 7, and I got some best bets. Hopefully, they'll go better than last week. I'm going to bounce my bets, best bets off of the homie, Dan Z, who also had a down week, but not as not as embarrassingly bad as my uh, Week 6. Dan, do you want to throw a pity party, or do you just want to move on? Yeah, I kind of do. I mean, look, I had been all year. I've been touting the fact that I had not had a losing week. I've had a couple of uh, 500 weeks, had not had a losing week all season. Finally had one, and it pretty much was thanks to you mushing me so badly, so badly. Please tell the people how you just absolutely jinx the hell out of me. First of all. I apologize. What I did was wrong, and I'll Thank own you. up to that. I'll when the <clears throat> Dan bet the Patriots plus three at the Las Vegas Raiders, that was trending towards a winning result. The Las Vegas Raiders were up 19-17, to 17, and the New England Patriots had a would-be game-winning drive uh, late in the fourth quarter that didn't even get out of its own end zone. And Mac Jones took a safety. Raiders went up by four. The game ended 21-17. Danzi lost his one of his best bets. And earlier, uh, before that drive, You're... I texted Dan, man, what you really you well. Man, what you... did you text? I said, man, you run w- really well. You run really well was the text. Which was followed by me losing because of a safety by a team that was trailing by two that I had plus three. You can't run worse than that. No, that's pretty bad. I mean, I'm very unhappy about the Seahawks bet, but what I did was egregiously wrong. And it is a violation of gambling etiquette. And I'm ashamed. I am. I deserve. You should be. I, I deserve. That one was bad. I deserve this criticism. It was bad. Hey, one of my buddies who is well educated in gambling etiquette hit me up when the Panthers were up fourteen nothing. Like, man, what a call by you! And I was like, oh. and I responded to him with the same text that I responded to you earlier uh, in that game. You didn't. You didn't jinx me like he did, but I was just. Like, I said, nice start. I was Just like, to start a conversation. Yeah. I said, nice start. Because I actually, I was on the Dolphins, and I'm in a picks pool where I have to pick every single game against the spread, which I don't love, but it's something to do. And I'm not doing particularly well. I think I'm like middle of the, it's actually kind of a good pool. There's like 115 people in it, 100 bucks a head. And you, but you have to pick every game against the spread. So I had the Dolphins. And I'm a Dolphins fan, as as we've only recently started, I've, I've started talking about publicly. Um, <laughs> you outed yourself. But even after they went down 14 nothing, I didn't feel like they were going to lose the game. Like, I really did. 
I didn't think they were going to cover the Panthers. So I'm with you. I actually felt fine about Miami minus 13 and a half. I was like, I still think they're going to cover because that's what Miami does. They just they score touchdowns in bunches and they score quickly. So they're really they're kind of a fun team to back because they're never really out of it. And I almost backed them this week. We'll get into that. But I, I didn't like I and again, I didn't mush you. I just texted good start, which it was. I mean, you. You had plus 14. They started 14 nothing. It was a good start. That was factually accurate. I don't think you mushed me. I don't like when you say stuff like that, but that, I wouldn't consider that a mush. What I did to you was clearly a mush. I, it was like accidental. Like that? You don't like good start? Nope. <laughs> I don't even want to be, I mean, I don't even want to be talking start. about my bets. Yeah, it if was. If I bet a team plus 14 and they go up 14 nothing, I feel like that's yeah. a good start. Yeah, that's about I, as good as I could have hoped the first quarter to I, go. But I, but I didn't share this with you, but me and you were on the same page. Whereas, oh, I fully expected the Dolphins to get it figured out and to, and to come back. And that's why my first response to you was, oh, the Dolphins are going to thunder F the Panthers. And I knew a barrage of points were coming. I just were hoping was hoping the 14-point head start on top of the 13 and a half that I took in the contest would have been good enough. And and it wasn't. When the Dolphins won 42-21, what was even more brutal is that the Panthers got a pick six um, against Mike White to, to come within 14 points of that game inside of like three minutes left in regulation. And my closing number that I took was plus 14. So I would have chopped with, with the sports book and lost in the contest, which isn't ideal, but hey, at least I don't lose cash money on it. But no, the I don't even I didn't even see the scoring drive, but effectively the Dolphins just ran right down Carolina's throats and scored a meaningless touchdown inside of like thirty seconds. Well, it was I mean it was a product of an onside kick, right? Like Carolina had to onside kick, short field. The Dolphins didn't like do anything crazy. They just ran the ball five times for thirty five yards and scored a touchdown. Like I said, I didn't even see it, so I didn't even know it was an onside kick. That's what happened. Ah, that I mean, bums me yeah, out. Just was... throw in the towel. It's over. <laughs> Why? I mean, at that know, point, like I you know. said, it was a two-score game with four and a half. I think there was four and a half minutes left at that because point. Because like... Frank Reich, people had faith in you covering. That's why you should kick kick the ball. <laughs> no, that my I and there even... was a there was actually an illegal formation on the onside kick too. So the Dolphins recovered it at the forty and got five. Like they literally went like thirty-five yards. Yeah. All right. Well, that doesn't make me feel. And it was, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Like they had their Chris Brooks was in. Like they had their backup running back in. Yeah. Their third string running back actually. And if you count the injuries to Jeff Wilson and Devin A. Chains, <laughs> their fifth string running back, which is a practice squad guy. Yeah. yeah. Essentially, yes. And yeah. they ran it. Although uh, Ahmed did end up having the touchdown, but that's only because Brooks ran the ball four times in a row. I think he just went out for a breather. That wasn't so. I went one and four in the contest last week, one and four in the podcast picks. Um, but they did give up same. a 28 yard run to Brooks, which is like, yeah. See, I don't consider this one a bad beat, I consider this a tough loss. Like, yeah, that's right. You know, like even though they started up 14 nothing, again, I never thought that this was Miami scoring the next 35 points was not crazy unlikely no. or impossible no and as i you know watch it on red zone it was like oh, yeah, it makes sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> if i kind of saw this possibly coming like i did this is definitely in the range of outcomes uh my other losers were the uh 
my other games that I picked, uh, the Jaguars minus four, the only win that I got. Bears plus two and a half, which I lost in the contest, lost to the sports book, and lost to you. That one was a more of a tough luck loss. I will shout you out, though, because um, you predicted that the Minnesota Vikings would have better turnover luck in this game, and that's effectively what happened. Bears had six more first downs, had more yards per play, um, scored more offensive points, but you know you did nail that prediction, per se, so hat off to you. Um, I had the Seahawks plus three, which I hope we don't have to argue about it. That was an awful beat. Absolutely terrible. I actually bet the Seahawks. They had they had the ball as you were. They had the ball inside the ten yard line twice in the final five minutes. And the the first time that they had the ball inside the ten yard line on fourth down, they actually had a third and goal on the nineteen yard line. Jackson Smith and the Jigba got the ball to the six yard line and they had to go for it. But if he gets tackled outside the, the ten, same thing. If they, they throw an incomplete passer, it's like you have to kick the field goal. Yeah, you're not going to go for fourth and goal from the nineteen. Kick the field goal, make it a one point game. It's not ideal, but you're not scoring on fourth and goal from the nineteen. And I like the Bengals; they're one of the teams. So I was watching that game with a, even a slightly different perspective than you, which was my ideal scenario because I have the Seahawks plus three. Is the Bengals to win? The Seahawks to cover? And I was like, Oh man, oh baby. Yeah. The Red Sea is parting. This is absolutely perfect. They're going to have to kick a field goal here because it's third and goal from the 19. Anything outside the 10, I think you probably kick. And you're right. Then he catches that pass inside the 10. I'm like, oh, no. That was the one thing yeah. I didn't want to see there. And he one has to thing. go for it. I, I don't knock Pete no, Carroll. Yeah. You have, you have to go six, for the touchdown. Yeah. To. So, you just can't from the 15. Yeah. The, Geno Smith... And the Seahawks had the had the ball goal to go three different times and had no points scored in it. Yeah. You know, he crushed them inside the 20s and just puked all over himself in, in the red zone. So I don't feel bad about that bet. It's just, you know, that's the NFL. <laughs> that's, that's And it happened a couple times. Like one of their goal to go where Geno ended up throwing an interception, it was the exact same scenario as the the late one, which was they had first and goal from the four – and got a 15-yard offensive penalty to push them back to essentially the 20. Yeah. It's like going from first and goal at the four to second and goal at the 18, it's like there's just no worse scenario for you. Yeah. It, them going for it on that fourth down is such a bummer because I know P. Carroll would have kicked the ball. If it, if it was fourth and goal on the eight or anything above he's he's kicking that field goal i, I think, think the 10 was i think the 10 was the line but fine we could quibble about that yeah for sure and either way like if he had kicked the field goal it would have been it would have turned out to be the right move because they got the ball back immediately their defense was playing really well but whatever and then the game that i the other game that i lost um was the los angeles chargers it actually it it did it cost them the game because if they kicked their not only did they get the ball back, but they had another chance. They drove it back into the red zone where, of course, they would have kicked the field goal to go up by two and win the game. Yeah, I think, now, their, I final, mean, their, I think their final play was in the eight-yard line. So. <laughs> it's it's a little different just because – but I guess – I mean, the Bengals start, ended up starting at the 14, so, like, it's not that different from where they would have started if they had kicked the field goal and kicked off. It would have been a 10-yard difference. But, yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I agree yeah, I just can't make an argument for – kicking the field goal on fourth no, and no, goal no. on the six. It's just like, ah, yeah. 
Like None he, of that's bottom I'm team. sitting there rooting for the plus three. I didn't have the money line. I, I just wanted him to cover. So I'm just like, yep. I'm right. looking at. I was like, I, I get it. You have to go at that for point, it. There was, because and the math that goes into that is like, all right, but even if we don't get it here, we have the two minute warning. We have our timeouts. Also, the other thing is that Geno Smith took a sack on that fourth down play. So if he just if they just don't get it, if he just doesn't complete the pass, like Cincinnati starts at their own six, you have your timeouts plus the two minute warning, like you're still going to have a chance to score another touchdown. Yep. But you might as well try to get this one while you're here. Yeah. But that's part of the thing, and I don't think people often consider that because this is one thing that annoys me about when teams go for it on like fourth and goal from like the two and they're like, Oh, just take the points, just take the points. The Part of the upside decision to going for it on fourth and goal from, like, the two, like, let's say not in this situation, just in a random situation, middle of the game, close score, whatever it is. Part of the math that goes into that is if we don't get this, they have the ball at their own two, which is still not a bad spot for us, right? Like, they're probably going to have to run the ball on first down because they don't want to take a set. You know what I mean? Like, so I think people often under-consider that piece of the going for it. It's like, take the points. They didn't get it. It's like... Yeah, but and this happened in uh, to the Chargers actually. Of course, Brandon Staley went for it, didn't get it. But the Cowboys ended up having to punt out of their own end zone, which is a tough spot to punt from. The punter has to get it off quick. The Chargers returned it to like the forty-two, whatever. I was like, that's part of the math that goes into this. Is they now have the ball back inside Dallas territory right away? Yeah, a first down. You're kicking a field goal at least. Or at least That's what I'm saying. Range. So it's no, like, I'm with you. It's still like there's no that I, that part of the equation always gets left out. It's always three points versus seven points versus zero points. You could have taken the three. You went for the seven. You got zero. Mm-hmm. Right. But the ball is also at the two yard line on defense, which is a good spot for your defense to be in. I'm usually someone that likes to take the points, but I'm not um, inflexible on it. I'm willing it to. Just it depends on a lot of things like I, I people make it so cut and dry that it's again three points versus seven points versus zero points and it's not every situation is a unique and there are a lot of factors that go into these decisions that people just either don't don't want to consider refuse to consider i'm just this year especially i'm, I'm getting more and more testy on the uh on these people by the football guys and their momentum that's another thing that drives me bonkers by the way can we talk about this sure i want i am football broadcasters i am a momentum never, guy <laughs> i i knew you would be and i'm so tired of it i don't want to hear it ever again you know why you know why i reject momentum because how often do you hear and the momentum flips like yeah no shit once the other team makes a big play which can happen on any play the momentum quote unquote flips it's like then it doesn't exist then it doesn't exist okay doesn't exist it's a stupid point uh, I mean, I, I believe, I believe in momentum, and I also think the. Uh, so the, the always... supposition then is that your previous good play then means you have a better, more likelihood of a positive outcome on the ensuing plays because of the previous plays. Jeez, dude! I don't know. I just think getting stopped on fourth and fourth and one is such a dick kick. It just crush. It's like just hurts the vibe of the game. Of the team, that's that's kind of what I think. That happened to the Chargers, and again, they got they Dallas went three and out, punted out of their own end zone. Chargers had the ball back to forty yard line within five minutes. Okay, fair enough. Where was the momentum? My thing about I'm not going to 
I'm not going to die on that momentum it's the, hill. It's the My, it's the classic gambler's fallacy of like past results lead to, and this is I mean, look, I get it. In football, there are emotions. It's not like blackjack. Like people do, you know the the uh, the classic gambler's fallacy is like they're due, they're due. Yeah. Right. And people do that with like blackjack and roulette and shit. You're like. Nothing that's happened before has anything to do with yeah, what's happening. You can miss after. three straight fourth downs, go for it a fourth time, and miss a fourth. Like, that's possible. Like It's possible for the roulette reel, wheel to hit red 20 straight times. Say, hey, really? You, you, no one but knows. the first 19 had nothing to do yeah. with the 20th. No, I'm, I, I hear you. My thing is about the go for it people or um, just go for it every down. And just some, some of the analytics community is they – view football from like a 10,000 foot view and these NFL coaches are they're trying to well maybe the listeners don't or or just want to hear another side of it or whatever but the football coaches the football players they're trying to win every single down you know what I mean like they're not applying what you should do generally speaking to every situation they're just like how do I win this down so that's where I think like some of the issues come with like the Twitter, the NFL analytics community and like the coaches decision making. And sometimes the NFL coaches or football coaches just make dumbass decisions. It, 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 that is a part of it, you know? It is. And but for you to be a momentum guy, I would almost think then you have to buy into cuz you're like you're looking at the the downside. Like, oh, you got stopped on fourth down. That's just a huge vibe momentum. What if you score on that play? <laughs> momentum through the roof. Like, that's I what, mean, that's what I'm saying. That's well, what I'm saying. Like, if you you got to weigh that into the decision too, then how does taking a field goal from the two yard line is that positive momentum? Does your sure. is your offense running off the field thinking, oh, whew, got well, those three points we desperately needed? Like, no, 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 no. It's always you always got to add context to the situation. We talked about this recently. If it's if it's goal to go, fourth and one, and. You, and, and you are yeah fourth and goal on the one yard line. You decide to go for it. I'm always down for that. Like there, you know what I mean. You score the points. It's it's the fourth and one on the thirty yard line where it's just like you know shit still needs to happen for you guys to score. I, well, I I agree with that, but I did make this point, which is because it's it always comes back to Brandon Staley, and they're like, why does Brandon Staley always go for it on fourth and one? And I'm like. No, the better question is, why can't the Chargers convert on 4th and 1 ever? Like, why is their rate at converting on 4th and 1 so bad? So, my thing would be, I agree with you that Brandon Staley has some work to do. But it's not in not going for it on 4th and 1. It's fucking coaching his players to pick up 4th and 1. Like, how do you guys not have... You do it all the time. Why do you not have plays for this? Why do you not have plays designed for this? Because someone tweeted, like, you know... Brandon Staley, Chargers go for it on fourth and one, run up the middle, bad play call. Chargers sneak it with Herbert, doesn't work, bad play call. Chargers roll out with Justin Herbert, bad play call. I'm like, it's not a bad play call. The question is, why can't they convert running it up the middle, sneaking it, or passing it? Why why can't they convert on any of them? Yeah, That's a bigger problem. There's something about the signals, the formations, they're tipping. They have to be tipping off they the defense. To. It ha- I, I totally agree with that. I don't know. I, I 100% agree with and that. And some of it, and like we talked about this, like I, I, and I, I tweeted this out. I think Brendan Staley is just kind of cursed. Like he's just kind there's of unlike. There's a little unlikely. bit of that. And there's also like, I, I think there needs to be a conversation about Justin Herbert. Oh, for like, sure. He, he has been absolutely shielded from criticism because it always gets lumped into bad coaching. And 
I love it when I see people who don't know anything saying stuff like this. So usually it's Stephen A. Smith for me. We joked about this earlier because he put out his top 10 NFL teams and put the Lions at number one. I'm like, how much Lions football have you watched this year? Nothing. He watched probably opening night and still think anyway. But this one was uh, Mike Greenberg had this scorching hot take that Justin Herbert is a Hall of Famer who's being wasted by his coaches. And I'm like, OK, good. That's what the dumb public thinks. That's what I figured they thought. And how can I run the opposite direction? And really breaking down Herbert in that game, like he didn't play well. And maybe some of these fourth and one failures fall on him. Yeah. I mean, he's 6'6", 250. Get it over the line, dude. And I don't know. Been, like, Also, I've never been then, a huge Did you see that? I was going to say that that play, the, the most Chargers play of the season where he made a sick scramble and then his knee touched right before the first down, you know, um, like 10 yards down the field. And then I think they went for the next down and didn't get it. Or maybe they had to punt. But it was just like the most Chargers, Justin Herbert outcome ever. Thought that like, was a, he made a sick also, play. And it was I like, also thought that was a bad call, and they didn't talk about it on the broadcast, which was they kept saying his knee's down there, his knee's down there. And I'm like, yeah, but he wasn't touched. He didn't slide. I thought he dove the, head. I thought the angle that I saw, he was at least a half yard short. I that's what I saw. When, but he hadn't been touched yet. I thought he got touched a half yard short. That's what it I'm was saying. Cl- it was a lot closer than they made it seem. Like they kept saying because they kept freezing it right when his knee was down. They're like, "Look where his knee is down. He's a half yard short." And I'm like, "No, you got to keep rolling it. Where does he get touched? He's not touched yet." It ended up being. It should have been. It was close. It was a lot closer when they showed. I think the spot was wrong. Right. I think that's was- wrong. The spot was definitely wrong yeah. because it should have been closer than it ended up yeah. being. But anyway, speaking of bad broadcast things that I want to talk about real quick, I, I know yeah. we're already like 21 minutes through and we haven't given out a pick. Look, we're, we're talking about football. It's a football podcast. Scott Tune Martin in later for Scott the, Martin. <laughs> he can give you all the picks you want and we'll get through our picks. But I did want to talk about this because I thought it was insane that like Mark Sanchez and the broadcast lost their mind when the Jets scored that touchdown after the interception. And they were like, it was at the end of the game, the Jets picked off Jalen Hurts. They were uh, down two at that point. They got the ball to like the eight-yard line. The Eagles let them score. Brees Hall ran it in, and it was clear that the Eagles let them score. And Sanchez was like apoplectic. Like, you got to you you know, you know, got to coach him. He's got to go down at the two-yard line. You got to run more clock. And I was like, no. I fully disagree with this assessment here because your point is – First of all, you don't coach the defense to not take points if they steal the ball from the offense. Like you don't ever tell a defensive back, "Oh, don't go in the end zone if you get a pick six possible." Like just house that shit, dude. And he would have, and they wouldn't have said anything if the defensive back had run it in for a touchdown. They wouldn't have been like, "He should have gone down at the five yard line." Although that's essentially the same argument they made on the very next play, which was Brees Hall gets the handoff, he takes it into the end zone, and the Eagles defense let him. Yeah, and. I understand why the Eagles would let him score in that scenario, but I also understand why the Jets would take the points in that scenario. And I think the broadcast was making the point that they needed to run more time off the clock, and then what? That You're not guaranteed to score a touchdown in that situation. And the problem with the score was the Jets were down two, which means let's say Brees Hall does go down at the two-yard line. Eagles take a timeout. Okay, next play, we do the same thing. Brees Hall goes down at the two-yard line. Eagles burn their last timeout. Now what? 
are we now going to take a knee at the three-yard line, run more time off the clock, and then what, kick a field goal, go up by one point? The Eagles are getting the ball back either way. Yeah. The question is, are they going to do it? Would you rather – the math that he wasn't doing was, would you rather the Eagles have a minute 45 and two timeouts needing a touchdown or a minute and no timeouts needing a field goal? And I'm saying you could make a case for either one, but he made it seem like this was absolutely the wrong decision. And I would actually make the case that with the way the Jets' defense was playing, I want the Eagles to have to score a touchdown against. I uh, absolutely agree. I'll I'm give sure... them 40 seconds and a couple timeouts, but they got to get into the end zone yeah. as opposed to kicking a field goal, which we... I think is way more likely. Which they couldn't do from like the first quarter on. The that's Jets what I'm saying. defense that was, tightened up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, the whole point was – well, I'm, I'm sure there's a website where you can plug in these scenarios and they could spit out the win probability. And I would argue, I would argue the same thing you're arguing that I think yeah, again, the Eagles are two timeouts in a minute and forty, whatever, and have to go the length of the field and score. It's probably a less win probability than 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 having to go like 35 yards and kick a field. And they have a very good yeah. kicker too. That's the other thing. So they really <laughs> that guy, that that guy buried a 63 yarder against the yeah, Giants exactly. a couple of years ago. So if they get a touchback, they need. 30 yards in a minute with no timeouts. That's pretty doable yeah. for an NFL team. It, I think it's much more doable than them needing to get into the end zone. But anyway, okay, we could we, let's talk about this week. All right, Thursday Night Football. The <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars at the New Orleans Saints. You're on a side, and I went oppo to get some action under this week. And uh, you're up four to three in our little head-to-heads. Um Plus fifty dollars, so I gotta make some money back. Are we throw. We only ended up doing two season long bets. We're just throwing those out, right? I actually don't even remember what the second one was, and I'm willing Me to neither. just call. All right, good. I'm willing to just say those are yeah. null and void. Let's just I, I do mean, our... I, I don't. I I've insist um, that we threw out the Cooper Cup bet because it was just which like is fine. Which... you're still you're gonna end up winning it. Oh which yeah, is what for I, the sure. Case I tried the case I tried to make to you when you wanted it thrown out, but fine. Yeah, um, but it doesn't matter to me because Nailed it's it. just it's just a well. We'll talk about DK Metcalf in a second, but Jacksonville Jaguars, New Orleans Saints. Why do you like the team that you like? I'm on the Saints here. I knew you were on Jacksonville because I think I threw it out to you a couple days ago, and you were like, "I'm I love Jacksonville this week." Um, I actually got a great number here because I I locked it in at Saints minus one. I believe it's moved already. Yeah, it's two and a half now, so it's already moved. Um, we could talk about what number we want to give each other on this because you kind of seem to take it at minus one, but I won't hold you to that if you don't like that it's moved. Mm. No, I, I no, it's fair. I'll take minus one. I mean, that's what I said. That's I gotta I gotta I gotta play by the rules. So I don't bet a lot of Thursday night football in general. I don't like betting Thursday night football games. I think they can be a bit unpredictable. Um. But there's a few reasons I like the Saints here, um, and and they're not necessarily even like the best football reasons. But first and foremost, like I can't imagine how the Jaguars team isn't just completely exhausted at this point. They spent two weeks in London, then they came home, played another game, and now they're playing. Now they got to go on the road on a short week. Like this has been a hellish month stretch for Jacksonville. The schedule makers did them absolutely no favors. And I just, to me, this is a great spot where you've got the Saints at home. I know one of your points is going to be the head coaching advantage. And I actually, thanks to you reminding me of this, I actually covered it, which is one thing I've always said is that the less time 
the less the advantage for that better head coach is because Doug Peterson doesn't have a full week to go ahead. Now you're already, uh, no, I, I disagree. I disagree. I think the, the less time favors a better head coach because the, the no, I, I'm not we, saying we've had this argument about my brain versus your brain, right? Like I, it takes me longer to dig into things because I just don't move as quickly as you. And I, I don't want Dennis pot, Allen but... taking more time digging into things. Oh, wow. You think paralysis by analysis for Dennis Allen. That's interesting. Okay. I believe that the head coaching advantage is mitigated when they're, when both are on a short week, because I think the, for me, the advantage of the better head coach comes with the more time they have to prep, um, the bigger the advantage is. And so, especially with Jacksonville and Doug Peterson, not only being on a short week, but also having to travel on a short week, that's going to still cut into his prep time uh, with having to travel and deal with all that. So for me, the head coaching advantage is mitigated a bit. And also the underlying analytics basically show that these these are the same team. Like Jacksonville and New Orleans numbers are so scary similar in EPA. Um, The Jacksonville offense is like slightly better. The Saints defense is like slightly better. But New Orleans is 11th in net EPA. Jacksonville is 13th. Yeah, exactly. They're they're practically the same team, um, except – New Orleans is at home in a Thursday night football game, which I, I'll i have you do your magic with uh, teams on Thursday night football at home. But it always used to be a thing, and I don't know if it still holds true, but home teams on Thursday night football generally perform better because, again, it's already a short week. Not having to travel is a big advantage. Um, so I think you know, with New Orleans being at home, they should get – with them being even teams and New Orleans being at home – they should be getting the full benefit of the minus three home field advantage. Now that the line has moved to minus two and a half, it kind of makes my analysis a little dated because now we're getting closer to where the spread is even. But when I locked them in at minus one, I felt like I was getting two points of um, of value here. So, And the other thing is that DraftKings has reported that they've taken over 70% of the bets on Jacksonville. So we've got a, a public dog on a short week on the road after two weeks in London. To me, this is just a, an easy spot to take the Saints. Yeah. Well, you uh, mentioned my, my first factor here, which is the head coaching matchup. Dennis Allen is, I don't know the specific record, but I'm pretty sure he's the worst NFL coach against the spread um, in history. I think coming into the season, he had like a 28% winning percentage. Can't wait to talk about this because everyone hates Brandon Staley. And I cannot wait to give you some awesome Brandon Staley numbers. Um, and to answer your question, since the beginning of last season, the home team is nine and thirteen against the spread um, on it Thursday flipped. games. Yeah, I wonder if the market must have. Re- I bet if you go back to like the two years before that, it was heavily the other way, and it's probably now the market has corrected itself. Well, since twenty twenty, there's twenty and thirty one home teams against the spread. Okay, no, yeah. I'm just wrong. That used to be. I swear to God, that used to be a thing. Um, I think it's like. Like directionally correct, but it just doesn't play out that way. It's kind of like the similar like fallacy where it's like a big um, a big underdog. It's better to take a big underdog in a short spread or a short total. It's like that that makes sense, but it actually doesn't play out that way if you look at the records, you know. So I hear you're saying um, Trevor Lawrence is obviously the biggest concern here for me or Jaguar fans or Jaguar backers. I think he's going to play. 
He talked about this in a press conference. He was like, I never miss a game. I have pride in that. And I, and I believe that to be the, the case. Um, Jacksonville, there's this thing with the schedule makers, NFL teams, where they can request when their bye week is. They could have requested a bye week after the London trip. And they take a London trip every single year. So they're very familiar with how the travel works. And they decide to, to move forward with it. So it is – it is uh, situationally you make a good point it isn't an ideal travel or rest spot um but i'm more or less just fading dennis allen that's pretty much the brunt of my analysis Den- david carr Derek carr excuse me didn't add anything to this offense they still have strong pieces but it really hasn't equaled production or or points I like um, the under two for what it's worth. I might do. I might have some fun with one of those, like because DraftKings offers bonuses on these games, and uh, I might parlay the under and New Orleans with a bonus and get like plus three hundred. And um, I do think a lot of Jaguars fans or just casual NFL fans like Trevor Lawrence, like the offense. But th- I am I am very high in Jacksonville's defense. I think it's it's a damn near elite defense. So. I'll take the better quarterback, the better coach, and the better defense, which is a theme I'm following on my next bet, the Detroit Lions at the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to lay three points at the Baltimore Ravens because they have the better coach, the better quarterback, and the better defense. And it's by margin, actually. Um, I love this Baltimore defense. They're getting healthier. Detroit loves to throw the ball over the middle, and that's the strength of Baltimore's defense. They have the best linebacker crew uh, in the league, and they actually make a difference. Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, Kyle Hamilton is an elite safety. Marlon Humphrey recently returned. So I think this Ravens defense is going gonna, is gonna to flex on the Detroit Lions. And I shared this with you um, and and Outkick readers um, earlier today, but Stephen A. Smith has the Detroit Lions as the number one team in the NFL. And, you know, you were just making your point about how to find square or public uh, NFL handicappers or betters, and that's pretty much the squarest person in the NFL space. I, I actually don't even think he's part of the NFL space. He's so square. So, not. Um, you know, Detroit – they're justifiably getting a bunch of love, but you could spin it in a way where it's like the resume isn't that good. They got super lucky against the, the, the Chiefs in week one. You know, they needed Kadarius Tony to give Brian Branch a pick six. They got, if you remember, they got, uh, they faked a, a punt on their own side of the field in the first quarter, and then they ended up driving down the rest of the field and scoring a touchdown. And the Chiefs are missing two of their top three players. Their other wins were against three NFC South teams, which is by far the worst division in the NFL, and a banged-up Green Bay team, which we all have kind of come to realize is complete trash at this point. I think the Lions are awesome. They're going to be a playoff team. But, like, there's a chance this is kind of old school, whatever. This is a public angle, but we're going to look at it like, wait, the Ravens were only minus three against the Detroit Lions? Like, we give Tomlin all this love, but, like, Harbaugh's had one losing season in 15 years. I mean, you know what you're getting with the Ravens and Harbaugh. So I could see the the Lions uh, keeping this close, but I think the Ravens will do enough to, to cash a minus three bet. So The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's uh, talk about a game both you and I are on, and I think you're now opposite me. So the Atlanta Falcons, Washington Commanders, you have a play on the total, and you're willing to... Falcons, Bucks. What did I say? Oh, Commanders, sorry. Yeah, that's who they played last week. I'm sorry. Uh, Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Bucks. You like a play on the total, and I think you're willing to fade my my bet on the side. Yeah, I I considered I wanted to get action on this game, and I actually really heavily considered going with the Bucks. Uh, I ultimately ended up not making them one of my official picks, and I don't I don't love making a total and a side bet in the same game, um, unless I'm going to do it for S's and G's and like throw a fun parlay on it for like twenty bucks, like nothing crazy, but just for fun. Or if you're stuck and it's a Sunday night football game. Yeah, if I'm bored, but. Um, Honestly, I, I thought about the Bucks, and I do like the Bucks in this game. So I'm, I'm this isn't one of those ones where because sometimes I'll just like fade you just because I'm like, ah, let's you know, let's let's have a, a homie bet on the games. It's fun. Yeah. You weren't convinced um, by my analysis. Let's go. That's fair. But I was thinking about the Bucks. So when you sent over that you were on the Falcons, I was like, okay, that's a good. That's not one of those spots where I'm just because sometimes I take bet. Like that's why you'll point out and you'll be like, I'm this and you know I crushed you last year. I'm like, yeah, but I take a lot of bets that like I wouldn't ever bet i'm only doing it because so we can have action on it um but this wasn't one of those i actually really heavily considered backing the bucks so i'm I'm fine with it i like the under here mostly because i'm just gonna bet falcons unders every week like i've just decided i'm gonna bet the falcons under until they prove that they're not gonna go under every week the way they play football is super conducive to unders i know you said i got lucky last week with their under i don't agree with that um even though they threw the ball 47 times, they still posted a negative pass rate over expectation. It's inexplicable how they continue to post negative pass rate over expectation every single week. They went under. They're 5-1 and one to the under this year. And now they're playing a team that just scored six points against Detroit. Detroit's good. Their defense isn't spectacular. And the Bucks have a good defense. So you've got two defensive-minded teams who want to run the ball with middling to, I mean, let's just call it what it is, below average quarterbacks with decent defenses in a divisional game that both teams want to, like, need to win. Like, these two teams are tied for the division lead. Actually, I think the Bucks are up by half a game, right, because they had their bye and the Falcons mm-hmm. have it. Um, but, like, this is essentially for NFC West supremacy, or NFC West, wow, NFC South supremacy, and to me, that that just screams low-scoring, slugfest-type game. Well, rule of Dan Z two, or second rule of Dan Z, I'll put it that way. Lana, due for some fortunate turnover luck. You threw that in my face at the Minnesota Vikings and turned out to be correct. Atlanta, minus six in turnovers. Vice, uh, um, comparatively the speaking, Tampa though, Bay is, is plus Minnesota's, six in turnovers. No, no. The difference, though, is that Minnesota's quarterback is Kirk Cousins, who's not particularly turnover prone, but Desmond Ritter is. Like, there's there's turnover. Like to me, the Minnesota Vikings turnover luck was bad because fumbles are you, super. You random. cut me off. Tampa Bay is plus six in turnovers. What about Baker Mayfield? He's not turnover prone. Their defense is really good at forcing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
But uh, to your to to your point no, about the under, Atlanta's defense is sneaky good. Like I think Jesse Bates uh, is yeah. a top ten defensive player in the NFL, and like I think Cincinnati's defense has taken a step back because he went to Atlanta. And I think we talked about this last week, but I was lukewarm on Atlanta's uh, def- defensive additions this offseason, but they look to be paying off. They're they're pretty good. They have a six secondary, great interior defensive line. So I like your look for the under here. And I just feel like uh, this is this is goofy gambling talk, but hopefully podcasts, podcast listeners like it. I think it's a sketchy line. Atlanta just lost at home to Washington, who no one thinks is very good. Tampa Bay lost at home to Detroit, who people think are a Super Bowl contender. In other words, it's not an embarrassing loss. Bucks have a better record. Um, and Their they're only two and a half. Too. Slightly, but again... If you remove turnovers at runningbacksdon'tmatter.com, Atlanta's got a better offensive and defensive EPA. You can't just remove turnovers, though, when your quarterback's Desmond Ritter. You just can't. I think you can offset them when the other quarterback's Baker Mayfield. You say, well, Look, he's changed over the last six games. Well, I mean, he's not what turning the, the ball over. four years? He's yeah. Different offense, different offensive coordinator who probably recognizes, like, hey, dude, you can't do that thing where you – like, you're not – Josh Allen like yeah Josh Allen turns the ball over a lot because he makes really risky plays but sometimes those plays pay off for Baker Mayfield they don't usually pay off because he's not as good he doesn't have the talent so they're playing a style of offense again which leads more to the under which is just a very safe offense designed for Baker Mayfield not to make mistakes Desmond Ritter on the other side just can't help himself because he sucks at least Mayfield's a veteran and I don't yeah I I don't know um I, I just think that this is a sketchy line. Like, the market is all over Tampa Bay. They're getting two-thirds of the money, according to PFF. I think over 80% of the money, according to pregame.com. Um, but the Bucks were finished, projected to finish last in the division. Atlanta's projected to win the division. And I think there's been too much line movement off the preseason when I kind of – I didn't even think Atlanta would be this good, and I, and I was – optimistic about Tampa Bay's chances of at least making it competitive in this division. So whatever, we'll go oppo on this one. I like your look for the under, but I'm happy going to the war with the Falcons. And it's a it's a fantastic teaser leg if you guys are into that that sort of thing. So Baker Mayfield's aggressiveness rating this year is according to next gen stats in the bottom ten. I gotta look this up, but I'm guessing it usually isn't. I'm sorry, say it again? Baker Mayfield's aggressiveness rating is in the bottom 10 of NFL quarterbacks this season. Um, I'm guessing, I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing it usually isn't. No. Like, I don't think he's making the throws that he did in the past. But, I I mean, he should with this receiving core. He should be willing to go downfield. If both teams are going to run into the... He was in the the top 10 two two years ago. Now he's in the bottom 10. If teams are just... If these two teams are just going to Rochambeau, kick each other in the nuts with with a run game, I'll take the Falcons. Okay. I do do think they have a better defense. Okay. Um, Next game we're going to talk about is the... I'm on the Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. I mean, I could be pretty quick about this one um the bills are really good and the patriots are bad that you know it's pretty much it 
yeah. I think the Bills need to get right after last week's clunker. Buffalo hates New England. Josh Allen has won three straight in New England by an average of 18 points. Since last season, this is something I talked about in my uh, preseason handicap of the Patriots possibly finishing with the worst record. They were an underdog in 14 games in the preseason lines this year. Last, since last year, the Patriots are 1-12 straight up as underdogs and 2-11 against the spread. New England's offensive line is low-key terrible. Like It was always good in the Tom Brady era, not anymore. They're 31st in pass block win rate. Buffalo leads the NFL in defensive pressure. So maybe Bill Belichick gets some magic out of his defense and they show up, but I could see the Bills just crushing New England's offense and, and winning this game, I don't know, 24 to 10. So I'm going to lay the eight and a half with the Bills. Any thoughts or pushback? Nope. All right, cool. Next game, oh, man, I want to bet this one, but I, I don't think I will. Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you got in this game? I'm on the Chargers. Um, I hate myself for it because it almost feels no. a little square. It, it oh, might end up as a pick on me and my brother's contest. And I the, the Chargers burned me last week. This is such a better spot to get them. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I would follow you on this one. Um, I it, you talked about fishy lines a second ago. Uh, is there a fishier line than this? The Kansas City Chiefs, a team that everyone thinks is awesome, arguably the favorite to win the AFC again, is less than a touchdown favorite against the Chargers, who just lost on Monday Night Football once again. Didn't look great. I don't know. It the, the line looks fishy to me. I how think fishy it should how be a, though? Because I feel like it should the, be a touchdown. Oh, see, I feel like the sports books are begging for Chargers money because over the last three years, like the average point per game differential, it's like twenty eight to twenty seven. Like they always play tight, and I yeah, think people know I'm that. The, that's why I'm taking the points. Yeah, but that's I don't what, think people I think the know public that. do. That's I think what they I do. Would. All right, fair enough. Well, I guess that's what we disagree on. Continue. I mean, look. DraftKings has taken 87% of the bets on the Chiefs. It's the highest number Fair of enough. anybody in the entire – like I went and looked at every game. I shouldn't say that. I think the Bills are taking like 98%. <laughs> yeah. That's just because everyone hates the Patriots at this point. But Me I'm saying included. like – Yeah, right. Uh, I mean that is a big number. So for you can't say the public knows that they play a close game and then find out that 87% of the public is is backing the Chiefs here. Yeah. Uh, I, I pregame.com, which I use, and they have the consensus sports betting market. They're saying 58% of the, the bets are on the, the Chiefs, 52% of the money. But it, it depends on the shop and, and whatever. I, I will go with your analysis. Keep going. We're still heavy on the Chiefs there. And, then, yeah, of course there's going to be some sharp money on the Chargers. I think this is the mm-hmm. sharp side. I mean, but you pointed out the public has been getting some stuff right this year, so I don't even know how much that means. My point is just I think with that high of a bet percentage, the fact that this line isn't, higher um, makes me think the sports books are worried about liability on the chargers, like big money coming in on the chargers. If they move this line any higher Oh, for sure. So, you know, and like I said, you know, rule of Dan Z, right. Chargers just lost a heartbreaker on Monday night football in front of a massive audience. They played the Cowboys. So I, the, I don't know that the ratings are out yet. They might come out today, but I bet it's going to be a big number because it was the Cowboys playing a playoff team. Um, yeah. They were sending I mean, paid actors the, to the game. Like it, was, yeah, it was a big show. 
you look at the viral Chargers fan, you're like, well, people must have been watching that game enough to be interested in it. So, um, and what's the problem with the Chargers? Like we've talked about it. Like they're snake bitten. They have they can't win close games. Well, good news. We don't need them to win this game. We need them to keep it within five points. More good news. The Chiefs haven't lost to the Chargers by more than six points since 2019. They're five and one against the spread in the past six matchups with the Chiefs. They lost both matchups last year by a combined six points. And here's another weird stat. The Chargers are eight and three against the spread in their last 11 trips to Kansas City. Point is, these teams tend to play really close games against each other. The Chiefs are almost always cover or are nearly always favored, but they rarely cover. And I know everyone hates Brandon Staley except me, but since he became the head coach, the Chargers are 13 and 8 against the spread on the road. And if you look at just when they're road underdogs, Staley is 7 and 2 in his career as against the spread as a road underdog. And Herbert the numbers are similar, but of course, because they've been the coach quarterback combination. But Herbert was even decent at that before uh, Staley got there. So, you know, I don't love backing the Chargers because they just always seem to just ruin my day. And then I get a text from Burger McFarland being like, Brandon Staley's horrible. You're an idiot. I got another one of those this weekend. Those are fun. I, <laughs> I like, I'm not going to put much money on it because again that i know how the chargers love to just lose close games but i think the chargers can win this game ah uh, you got a full agreement for me on that one i don't even have much to add this is such a better spot for the chargers than last week when it's a coin flip game and they always play coin flip games this one like chiefs need to win by margin and they've proven consistently over the past couple of years they can't win by margin and historically they don't win by margin over the chargers so i got you and also like justin herbert missed so many easy throws like that's gonna regress back to the mean or progress up to the mean however you want to phrase it and their offensive line struggled really badly with the cowboys defensive line but like that's what you would expect going against the cowboys like the chiefs have chris jones he's a superstar but like not a lot else, and they're they're not great on the edges. So I'm not super worried about that. I am a little nervous about Chris Jones. I do think he has a great matchup advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with Eckler back, that's a big deal because Eckler's not really a between. Like they try to get him the ball in, but they're going to get him away from Chris Jones. They're going to be running screens. They're going to be running tosses. Like the whole thing with Eckler is get him out on the edges, which I think plays against the Chiefs, which is probably part of the reason that they've been successful uh, against the Chiefs. Yeah, I actually think we're beating a dead horse. I just it's simple as these games always are down to the wire, and I think that all the Charger games are down to the wire. So I like your look here. Um, we'll go to my fourth and final best bet. I couldn't find five before we started recording. It's Wednesday, October eighth. I got eighteenth. Excuse me, I got to get five in for the circa million this weekend. But I'm very confident in the Seahawks, even though they burned me last week. I'm taking. I'm laying minus seven and a half. They're at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Pete Carroll just responds after losses at home. Um, I really like this trend since 2013. Seattle's 21 and 10 against the spread after a loss at home. 68% as home favorites after a loss. They're 16, eight and one against the spread. 67% as home favorites of seven or more after a loss. They're 10 and four against the spread. So, like that actually and you mentioned this um a few minutes ago this season home favorites of minus seven or more which is usually like a sucker play they're 11 and five against the spread um 
I also think Seattle's week six result, as we already talked about, was the most misleading result of last week. They considerably outplayed the Bengals, and if the efficiency matched the score, I think the spread would be closer to 10 because everyone's starting to come around on the Arizona Cardinals being just dog shit. Like, Josh Dobbs actually probably playing like a league average quarterback right now, which is just an indictment of where the league is with quarterbacks. <laughs> you, you look at the starters this week. Uh, I think 11 the of the totals. 13 games have a 40 point total or worse. Like something. I didn't have it as that bad. I had it as. I have the number in my, cause I was, t- I talked a lot about the unders. I have this in here somewhere. Hold on. I'll find it in my piece. Uh, I have seven games at 42 or lower. Okay. Um, either way, uh, my point is Josh Dobbs sucks, and there's a bunch of shitty quarterbacks in the NFL. Geno Smith, when he's not inside the 20, is actually pretty good. And uh, the Yeah, Aaron- I'm with you on this side. I thought about the Seahawks, too. Like you said, the Cardinals started the season 3-0 against the spread. They were like this plucky team, but they've gotten blown out three weeks in a row. And I think we're – I don't think everyone's analysis was wrong that the Cardinals stink. Yeah. Also, I this – there was a little bit of that like rallying behind the fact that everyone thought they stunk and it was like us against the world. Then they won. They beat the Cowboys and they gave Gannon the Gatorade. That was like their Super Bowl and they've kind of proven that, that – they won that game. It was a huge win. They were so excited. And like, since then, it's like, hey, we won the one game that we weren't supposed to win that we won in front of everybody. Cool. Yeah, I, I mentioned that to you right after it happened. I was like, they're acting like this is a Super Bowl. It was a, it was a great call out of you, and I yeah. I, I agree. Um, coincidentally, uh, this would be another nice teaser. Like, you want to tease the Seahawks down to one and a half, the Bills down to two and a half, get a little greedy and the Falcons up to eight and a half. I like I all three as a tease alike. One, but all right. Yeah, fair enough. But you like the other two, right? The two favorites down? Yeah, I would. Okay. I would tease the Chargers up over 10. <sighs> that's an un, that's a, a non-advantage teaser that I don't hate. Um, let's go to your... Why? You're getting past two key numbers. I said I don't hate it. But you said it's a non-advantage teaser. Because advantage teasers, teasers are considered below three or above seven and a half. That's just the yeah. term for it. I right. know you're saying teasing past the key number. You're teasing past two key numbers, seven and ten. I'm not smart enough to describe this to you. I just, to explain this to you, I just know an advantage teaser is either below three or above seven and a half. We are getting above seven and a half, though. I don't see how that doesn't work. Because in the dead zone of five and a half, which is where the Chiefs are right now, I think, right? Plus five or minus five and a half. There is enough possibilities or the range of outcomes is enough where they could win by double digits and they could bust your tees. Again, I'm not doing a good job of explaining this. I'm not. I'm of course, not. any of them could bust your teaser by not covering. Uh, Stanford Wong, this guy with a goddamn pseudonym, pseudonym from San Diego, wrote a whole book about it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I get it. Smarter I'm smarter people like, than me say I feel like this. You're getting a good. 
I feel like this is one of those situations. You're going from five and a half, which is under a touchdown, to over ten and a half, which Dude, is again. You think I the don't Chargers even disagree. I don't want to argue. I agree. I don't know. It's, it just doesn't make sense, even from a logical perspective. I don't know. We had this back and forth about odds on favorite. Neither one of us really know what the term means. This one, I actually know. I know what it means. I'm trying to tell you. I think yeah. You sent it to me, and I've like looked at it, and I just don't necessarily agree with it. But fine. Yeah, it's like how I feel when NFL handicappers talk about positive regression. I want to jump out of my skin. It's like there's a word for positive regression. It's what progression. It? No, it's not. It's yes, not it is. Word. No, it's not. How? That they, they mean different things. Regret. The problem is that people don't understand what the word regression means. That's the I, issue. I think, yeah, I'm seeing that right now. Do you understand what progression means? It doesn't mean what you think it means. It's the opposite of regression. It. <laughs> it, but okay. So, in statistics, like in mathematics, regression is a term. Everyone, because in other contexts, what you're saying, the opposite of progression is regression. Like you went backwards but in a mathematical context that's not what it means it's not the same thing regression simply means regress to the mean but that can be either regress positively or regress negatively but you can progress to the mean why not it's that's not a term like it's not a statistical uh, I'm making it a term. term okay but it's not like, it's wow. not i don't know it seems it like doesn't it... maybe the stats community should leave the 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 the, the the words to us writers. How about that? How about stats? You, you, you stick with numbers and we'll stick with words. Fine. Green Bay Packers up the Denver Broncos. I like the over. I know I, I spent a lot of time talking about unders. I wrote a whole thing about how unders are hitting it. Like they're hitting it 60% for the season. If you go past week two, when there was, as we talked about last week, a mass of overs in week two. So if you just look at the last four weeks, week three, four, five, and six unders are hitting at 67 percent so the question is is i mean scoring is down and yards per play is down so the question is is regression coming positive regression coming towards nfl totals i think the answer is probably yes but not with a caveat which is i think some teams like a lot of teams are just more built for the under but you got to find the teams that aren't so for me this week, I think both the Broncos and Packers, who, by the way, there are only six teams in the entire NFL who have more overs than unders this season. And this, these are two of them, uh, Denver and Green Bay. Denver, because their defense is absolutely horrendous. And actually, Russell Wilson stinks and their offense doesn't function that well, but they have been okay. Like, they're at least putting points on the board, albeit in mostly losing causes and mostly because they're losing at the end of the games and they have to. Um, but both of these teams actually have league average offenses with below average defense denver's defense is not below average it's the worst and it's the worst by a large margin i think they're nearly at uh negative 0.2 epa per play and the next worst is negative point they're like double as bad as chicago like their defense is horrible so like i said there are two there are six teams in the nfl with more overs than unders this is two of those teams and yet the line is still only 45 for two teams that go over at the rate that these two teams go over, I think the number should be closer to 48. Um, nine of Denver's last 11 games have gone over, including five of their past six home games. 
Green Bay already played the next worst defense that I just talked about, Chicago, and they scored 38 points. I think that's a very good comp to this game, which is that Green Bay struggles against decent defenses and does okay against bad ones. So I think they'll do okay here. I don't see anything about the Packers defense that makes me nervous. So um, I think the low scoring has slanted all the totals downward. So on this one, I'm going to jump on the over. Denver is last in EPA per play. Um, The second worst is the Chicago Bears. The distance between the Broncos and the Bears in defensive EPA is further than the difference between the Bears and the Titans, who are 24th by EPA per play. Yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. Their defense is historically bad. When you start throwing around things like Rex Ryan is like they're considering bringing him out of the ESPN booth into like you're like, OK, we got a big time problem here. Yeah, I mean, Sam Howell looked like Joe Montana against that defense. Yeah, no, I'm with and you. Jordan Love can, too. But wait a second. Oh, you took the over, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. 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 I don't know. I have my notes. Actually, yeah. yeah never mind. My bad. I, I'm gonna uh, take another one too. Actually. Well, my one point about this game is there is no situation where I bet it. What's your next bet? Right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure that out too because I'm like, it's a. It's just a it's it's also a crappy game. So like I'm almost kind of hopeful that it goes over cuz then at least then it'll be somewhat interesting cuz it's just a game between two bad teams, really. The f- that no one's going to watch. That's in the 4 p.m. time slot, right? Yes. It just got some yeah. good games against it, right? Well, it's I mean, the entire country is going to get Chiefs Chargers, which is what they want. Like it's it's I wrote about this this week too, like how the 4 p.m. window is essentially becoming a pseudo primetime window and how some of the highest rated games this year have not been Sunday night or Monday night games, which they almost always are. They've actually been those four o'clock games. And it's because of this. You've got Chargers Chiefs in the four o'clock window going against Packers, Broncos, Cardinals, Seahawks. There is Steelers Rams in that window, although it's not 425, it's 405. So it's it's not going to be seen by the entire country, which is kind of unfortunate because that's a good game. Yeah, I'm, I'm super into that game. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to watching it, and I will because I have, you know, three TVs, but not everybody does. If you only got one, you're me watching Chargers Chiefs. Uh, the last one is the Sunday night game. I'm taking the over. I, I just think that the books have not adjusted to this idea that the Miami Dolphins are either going to score 40 points or give up 40 points. Um, I, this total being at 51 and a half I, I, is kind of mind bending to me. I see this game very similarly to the Dolphins Bills game. I took the over in that one. It hit almost by halftime. Um, yeah, I'm just on the idea that the books haven't adjusted to Miami and what they do. Um, uh, the Eagles defense has negatively regressed from last season. That makes sense. They lost a ton to free agency. The biggest strength of their defense is their defensive line, but Miami is perfectly built to counter that, which is they get the ball out of two his hands quickly. They get it on the edges quickly. They run all their run plays to the edges. Like their thing is we're faster than you. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to run away from your big guys and we're going to get into a track meet with your speed guys. And the Eagles are banged up in the secondary and don't have a ton of speed back there. So I don't know how they keep up with Tyreek and Waddle and Mostert. Like, I, I just don't see it. Maybe Why the plan is back- to take the air out of the ball. That's my, that's my one pushback or the one that I, I, 
I thought about while you're making your points. It's just hard to do against the Dolphins. Like, it, it's just hard to do. Like, you could say that, and that sounds like a great plan. But also, I don't know that they need to. The Dolphins' defense isn't particularly good either, and the Eagles are equipped to get into a shootout with Miami and possibly still beat them. I mean, Hurts hasn't been playing great, but if you look at the weapons that Philadelphia has, like, who is Miami going to be able to stop A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and DeAndre Swift? Like, I don't know that they can. I'm not sure that the Eagles look at this and go, we have to take the air out of the ball. They might just think, we can get into a shootout with this team. Buffalo did. Buffalo almost scored 50 points. Like, is the Philadelphia offense worse than Buffalo's offense? Like, eh, it's close. I don't think they're it's actually, worse. I think it's about the same. Yeah, I mean, they're they're – and they're they, – they play very similarly. They have big quarterbacks who can run, who have strong arms. They have one stud receiver. They have actually, if anything, their offense, at least from a weapons perspective, is better. They have a better running back and they have a better number two wide receiver. Um, and if you look at like Miami this season, look at the offenses that they've held to 21 points or fewer. The Patriots, the Broncos, the Giants, and the Panthers. Like, those are not good offenses. The other two teams they've played, the Chargers scored 34, and Buffalo almost scored 50. I could tell you that the Eagles are much more in the Chargers-Bills category than they are Patriots, Broncos, Giants, and Panthers. I think this is going to be a hell of a Sunday night game with a ton of points, so I'm riding the over. Yeah, maybe you're right, um, but it is kind of going against one of your rules or one of your usual handicapping angles, which is fade the public, especially in primetime games, and you got to assume the public is going to be on this over. I agree, but at the same time, I just don't think the market has adjusted to what Miami's doing yet. I don't think they know what to do with Miami. So what should this total be? Like, what's the point where you're like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm staying away, or I'd even bet, or you'd even bet under? 55? I, I don't know that there's a number I would bet under, because there's a chance <laughs> this game gets to 70. It's, it's going to look like Chiefs or Rams a few years ago? 55 to 52 or something I stupid. probably wouldn't bet over at 57. I think I'd go all the way up to 55 at least. So you're thinking 34, 30, 31, something like that. Yeah. Or 42, 24, you know, something. Okay. I think there'll be 60 points in this game, but I, you know, put my money where my mouth is. Am I betting? Will you ladder it? I don't know what that means. Bet the over, bet the alternate over, uh, and a couple different, price points like you might be able to get alternate over 60 at plus 250 or plus 300 or something like that i'm gonna look that up i haven't really thought about it but yeah it's mostly used for like player props like if you really like for instance cooper cup to go over his receiving yards which is probably gonna be stupid high you bet like over 85 over 100 over 115 obviously smaller small lesser um, increments. Don't yeah. shout out the book, but you can go with a, with a different book instead because I know points bet's a little wonky with their alternate win totals or alternate spreads. Yeah, so you can go up to at least with them, you can go up to sixty one and a half, but it's only plus two eighty. I don't. I mean, I'm not going over sixty one and a half at plus two eighty. No, I don't like that either. It's just not a good, just not a good value. No. Um. Well, all right. But I think all books kind of are designed to screw you on the anything alternate yeah absolutely <laughs> totally well, i would i would just sort of advise against anytime you think like wow that's a good payout the sportsbooks are like yeah yeah it is right yeah it is <laughs> i'm kind of yeah do you are you gonna bet in chips or just cash how are you gonna how are you gonna place the bet through us because this is a great payout 
know? Let's see. I want to look at DraftKings. DraftKings will let you go up to those pieces of shit. filth. Come back and sponsor our podcast. Let, Come back. DraftKings will let you go all the way up to sixty-four and a half, but it's only plus three fifty to get yeah. to sixty-five points. Again, I think the latter play is better for like player props. Yeah, again, I, I probably wouldn't touch any. Actually, points bet does give you better odds than DraftKings does because damn right they do. If fifty-nine and a half is plus two hundred nine, and points bet's giving you plus two thirty, so that's actually a, quite a bit better. Yeah, and all the listeners. Please go to points bet. They're available in most legal U.S. sports betting spaces. Uh, but part of the states. reason is because DraftKings actually has this line at 52, and points bet has it at 51. And that's what you're giving out, the points bet line, 51 over Miami Dolphins, Philadelphia If you're going to bet this, definitely go get 51 at points bet. And you know what? If you want to go to 54 and a half, I don't hate it. Hmm. Plus 125 at 54 and a half. All right. I got to get over there and uh, talk to Scott Martin, find out what his picks are. Why don't you uh, tell people where they can find you? I'm always at at Real Danzac on X, formerly Twitter, or uh, just go to outkick.com and get all my content. All right. Let's find out who this maniac Scott Martin likes this week. You guys know what time it is. I got the homie Scott Martin. Here to go over his picks for NFL Week 7. I'm down in the dumps, as you guys have already heard me talk about, because of my Week 6 performance. But misery loves company. <sighs> Scott, Week 6 sucked for you, too. Let's, let's air out our grievances. Let's throw a pity party. Like, abysmal? Like 0-3? Oh How does that sound for the Barking Dog segment, Jeff? Uh, misery loves company, and I wish that you and I were in company right now, because... You know, it was one of those weeks, Jeff, where I did love the slate. I, I, we, sent, we, I sent, the we sent your and my dogs to the Korean dog factory. They're not coming back then if that's the case. And uh, I, I think the dogs will come back, though. Do not, do not fret, listeners. I think we've got a, a chance to mean revert, which I will talk about a few times on the uh, the pod here. But, you know, man, it was one of those situations where I like the setup of, of the games. I love the slate. We, we hit, obviously, ones that we thought were, were the best of the best. And there were just some kind of crappy beats. I mean, there were some things that happened later in the games that, like, a couple of these games, one of, a couple of them weren't close, obviously, but, like, even the Patriots-Raiders game, some weird stuff happened late, late in the game that pushed the spread over to the public side. And things like that happened. But the reality is is that we've got to come back week after week, and we've got to come back with the same formula, the same format, the same stuff, looking at money flows and capital flows and public liens and where lines are moving and where they started to figure out where we want to be because over time, this does work. These bets that you have to make as a public person, as a non-sharp, let's say, these bets that feel the absolute most terrible of the terrible, the dates that you took that one time that you don't want to go on, those are the ones that maybe you go on and actually have some fun, and these are the bets that you make that actually make some money. Yeah, you got to trust the process, um, provided that you have faith in your process. Your model has been profitable over several sports, and then, several years in the NFL. So just sticking to it and hoping the and bounce we had a good start too, Jeff until the last couple of weeks too, man, both of us. Yeah, dude, I was, uh, above 500 in the circuit contest. Not anymore. Down to 14 and 16 after our one and four week six. Um, you're currently nine and nine on the season. So still 500, but you had a down week six as well. You and Dan Z were both on the, uh, Patriots plus three. They took a, 
tough safety at the end of that game to, to, to lose by four. That was brutal. You and I were both on the Seahawks. The Seahawks should have won that game by at least double yes. digits. I think they were yes. one for six in the red zone. Um, Geno Smith got it to goal to go three times and failed to score all three times. I mean, come on. They got Gino. it inside the 10 yard line twice in the last five minutes down by four and came away with no points. As a matter of fact, if um, Jackson Smith and the Jigba gets tackled on a third and 19 or third and goal from the 19 at the 10 yard line, the Seahawks kick a field goal and they cover that spread. So it was crazy. I mean, I don't know who Geno Smith thinks he is. Does he think he's Jimmy Garoppolo or Jordan Love just giving that game away? I mean, it was ridiculous. It's crazy because he played an amazing game, except when it got inside the 20s. And then he just puked all over himself. Just blew it. Just blew it. Yeah. But if you look at the the, the box score, the Seahawks Bengals, we were on the right side. Like you run yes. that, you simulate that game a hundred times. We cover 90 of them at least. So again, it's just about trusting the process and, 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 you know, doing your homework and banking on different and staying, results. And staying true. Yeah, dude. And staying true. And this is what happens in betting. I mean, like you said, we've, we've got, I've got, hundreds and hundreds of games of data on this process that I have with the barking dogs, man. And there are lulls like this. There are drawdowns. There are pullbacks, just like in my investment business. There are things that go down before they go back up, you know, that come down from a peak and go back up. And so I think these are the times that you really got to lock in. You really got to buckle in and strap in and realize that there could be a little bit of uh, famine before the feast, but the feast is coming, man. And hopefully it starts right freaking now. Cause I'm hungry. Yeah. What are we feasting on this week? All right, dude, we're going to feast on a game that I think is going to be – it's just something that looks great to me for a couple of reasons. And we're taking the, we're taking the Baltimore Ravens, uh, by the way, against the Lions here. we got the Ravens minus 30 – or minus 30, minus 3.0 or three points. we got the Ravens minus, minus three at home against the Lions team that the public absolutely loves, that the public is on week in and week out, that's covering like a rug. You could question some of the competition that the Lions have had over the course of the – say weeks here i bet on them i've been on carolina against the lions the lions covered that one i've been on tampa last week the lions covered that one of course but it's like there are games that the lions just look like they should win and those are games they probably should win but this baltimore team with the fact that the public has been very very let's say uncertain on baltimore hasn't been able to really figure out what's going on with baltimore is lamar good is he bad is it really about the passing is it the running game is it the defense baltimore blew that game historically in pittsburgh um, a couple weeks back, and it's like there's just this theory that like Baltimore doesn't have their you know what together. This is a situation though where the spread looks weird, where the public says, "Oh my gosh!" You mean I can bet Detroit, the, the, the offensive juggernaut, the surfer boy Jared Goff, and all his beautiful receivers and that beautiful powder blue or whatever the the Lions wear, whatever the name of the blue color is they have, and take them into Baltimore and get a field goal against a Ravens team that couldn't score for the first say few quarters of the game against Pittsburgh and only scored 19 points in Indianapolis. You know, there's certain things here or at home against Indianapolis in that crazy field goal game. It's like there's things here that look like they're starting to turn for that, say, non-public better, that sharp better, that one that can look beyond the spread, look beyond, say, the stats. And I think it comes on Sunday to start with the Ravens beating, enough covering, of course, but beating also the Lions into the, in the turf here. With the public dogs get slaughtered, this is probably the most public. This is definitely the most public dog of week seven. Stephen A. Smith went on first take and said that the Detroit Lions are the number one team in the NFL. 
Uh oh. That he's pretty much my north star for the public better. If Stephen A. Smith is saying that, then I'm looking to fade um, that analysis. And simply put, and I already talked about this with Dan Z, but Ravens have the better coach, the better quarterback, the better defense. They're home, and we only have to lay three. Love Bingo. It. And here's a quick thing. And the Lions, man, again, I don't want to talk smack on the Lions because I'm a Vikings fan, so I guess I should. And the, and the Vikings stink, so who cares? But the point is, too, is the Lions really haven't seen a quarterback like Lamar this year. I mean, you, you've got – you've kind of got the, the Carolina quarterback, Bryce Young. Yeah. You know, you got Jordan Love, sort of. Um, I mean, there's nothing really – Geno Smith, first week of the year. I mean, there's not a ton, though, that's going on uh, with, the, with, with regards to what Baltimore has seen when it comes to where, say, the um, – um, at least to where, where the Lions – where Baltimore has given – the Lions, let's say they've got some tape and things like that, but there's nothing where I think the Lions have seen quite what Lamar Jackson is and what he's slowly becoming this year after getting off to a slow start. So that's another area, too, where I think if you look at the battle of the quarterbacks here, I think Lamar takes it over Jared. Yeah, I actually think Lamar Jackson's underrated. He, the guy has won 73% of his regular season games. The dude just wins. Um, and, yeah, I think he's going to be able to, to to carve up this defense, whether it be – through the air on the ground. So you have agreement with me here for the Ravens. Um, and I, yeah, I love that bet actually. So it's uh, Oh, and to the point that you already made the, the lions beat three NFC team, NFC South teams, which is the worst division in football. They beat green Bay Easily. Packers on the, on a short week and they were missing um, their running back and their left tackle. And we really don't know what Jordan love is right now. The Chiefs, frankly, gave that game away um, in week one against the, the Lions with that Kadarius Tony essentially just played for the Lions and gave them a touchdown. And and we saw how many things broke right for the Lions to win that game. They went for it on fourth and four on their own side of the field in that game because it was just a much bigger spot for them. So I'm with you. I don't think they've faced a team that's as buttoned up or as, uh, as, as complete on as both sides of the ready. ball. Yeah. Agreed. As battle ready, man. And I think the the Ravens are going to step up here. And the Ravens are going to rise up, too. The Ravens have played some teams so-so so far this year. The Lions are one that they come in. The Lions come in here. It's going to be a hot matchup. It's the early round of games. They're going to get up early on Sunday and slam them hard at the end of the day. If you removed the final scores of all the Ravens games and just looked at the box score, you'd be like, oh, they're 6-0. Yeah. They're 6-0. Yeah. They've gotten unlucky. Like that Steelers game. Which I had no action in was a joke. Like they Ravens had yeah. no business losing that game, and the Colts, which we talked about already, the Colts made four fifty-yard field goals in the rain and the wind. That's not going to happen, or that shouldn't be happening. So I'm with you there. Uh, your next pick, though, oh, staying in yeah, the, the AFC North, huh? We are, man. I'll tell you, we're going with another AFC North team. We love the AFC North today and uh, on Sunday, man, and one that doesn't feel good. Uh, one that feels like like a, like an older dog. It does because the team feels like it's got this mix between kind of age and youth, uh, maybe more age than anything, I guess. So they're trying to get young uh, like some of these older dogs do. But, man, this team is, like you mentioned kind of just a second ago, has been in the veterinary clinic, it seems like, every week. It's been a dog that's been out there, but it's been a dog that we've been able to bet on because of the fact, too, that they've been healing. Officially, Steelers plus three, though. That's what we're talking about. No one said the name That's of the team. Correct. Yes, yes, we are. Yes, <laughs> I right. tend to digress. I get it. I get so excited yeah, about the, the, I the try, idioms and the metaphors. I tried we to are. tee it up, we're, but you didn't lead in with Seahawks plus three. So that was my fault. Bad hosting by me. Go ahead. 
No, that was good hosting. I wasn't thinking about your St. Bernard or whatever you have there, or Burmese python, whatever whatever animal you have. But look, <laughs> it's like the L.A. Rams, man, it seems like a weird, weird situation here. You've got a 4 o'clock game Eastern time slot. You've got Pittsburgh coming all the way across the country, so they're not going early, obviously, but whatever. It's later in the day. You're going to SoFi, which is an amazing construction. And you've got the Rams, after coming off a game where they blew out the, the Cardinals, which we talked about last week, they had a pretty tough game against Philly that they could have made a lot closer. Came off that overtime win in Indianapolis. It's like the Rams kind of have that public fervor. They have that 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 favor. They have that following. They got the beautiful colors on the uniform. You got the offense coming back. You got Stafford stepping up here and there. You've got you know a good running back. You got Williams in the in the backfield running pretty well. And there's a lot of setup here that feels like the Rams are kind of that uh, let's say up and coming team in the NFC. That team that's going to start to break through here at three and three versus the Steelers that are coming in. Jeff, at three and two, a heavy public dog only getting to your point three points going all the way to Rams Stadium here to SoFi. So meaning on a, on a neutral field, the public is looking at this and saying they're an even team, you know, straight up match to match. And that probably doesn't feel right in the public kind of, say, sentiment. So my take on this is this is one of those situations where the, what you mentioned earlier, the, the Steers have not looked good. They have not looked that impressive. Um, they have a bye week, so they got a little bit of extra time here in between to kind of prepare, get some more tape going. And they've had some bad games. I mean, they had the loss in Houston two weeks ago by 24 points against C.J. Stroud and company. Got blown out at home against San Francisco earlier in the year, first week of the year. And so they had a couple wins in there at Las Vegas, and then, and then they beat Cleveland at home. It's like the Steelers just don't have that public love. They don't have that typical Steelers mantra. They don't have that typical Steelers following. There's a lot of buzz around Pittsburgh about Mike Tomlin being in his last season figuring stuff out about the offense, the defense. Like I said, trying to get young but still being old. I think this is a perfect setup, especially given that that spread just looks very, very, very tasty to the public. And I see why they're on it, but that's why I'm on Pittsburgh as the dog here to come into L.A. and cover and also win this game. I like your analysis, but truth be told, I lean towards the Rams here because the Steelers, outside of T.J. Watt pressuring the quarterback, do, do they do nothing right. Um, I like this Rams coming in. This Rams team coming into the season, they're trending up now that Cooper Cup is back in the lineup and he's balling out. However, what got me hesitant about backing the Rams is anytime you see a pro Steelers, pro Mike Tomlin trend, you should probably blindly bet it. And they're over the last five. Um, excuse me, following the last five bye weeks, the Steelers are five and zero straight up and four and one against the spread. You know, and I, I had a lot of things that that kept me away from the Steelers against the Ravens, but Tomlin and the Steelers just pull games out of their ass and somehow covered and, and beat the Ravens outright. And I just get a similar vibe with this one, where it's just like the matchup screams the Rams. It's only minus three. I actually think Sean McVay is a better game manager than Mike Definitely. Tomlin. Yes, but. Tomlin just wins these games. He just covers these games. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. So, it's a lean of the Rams. I might end up putting it on one of my circa millions cards, uh, circa million cards. But outside of a lean, I don't. I don't have. Um, and much dude, on you, this you make a really good point. I mean, I mean, Jeff, you make a really good point on all your analysis as usual, man. And look at the stats. I mean, look at total yards. You got total yards per game. I mean, Steelers are under three hundred yards, dude. Total yeah. yards per game. Rams are almost four hundred yards allowed. Steelers have averaged about 409 yards allowed per game versus Rams at 340. There is no reason as a public better, as somebody that walks up to the window for the first time, should say, oh, I want the Steelers. I get that. Those are games I love. 
And furthermore, like we talked about at the beginning of the of the segment here, the barking dog, we talk about how we have the reason to see a mean reversion, which means that to be double entendre here, things will go back to an average. When the public is doing very well this year, as they have been, this does go back to swing back the other way. So things come back to maybe more of a 50-50, 55-45 split, meaning like things go back to where they should be, even as stretched as they get. So the further away that we get from, say, the public losing, the further more that they're going to start to lose because Vegas is not in this business to lose money last time I checked. Oh, the sports books will be making all of their money back this year. Believe, believe you me, all of their money. And, yeah, the last point about the Steelers, you you look at their record and their performance, like there's no way they should be 3-2. and two. And if this was a normal team, be like, yeah, they're probably going to regress. But we have, a, what, 15-year sample size of this team pulling games out of their, out of their ass? It just it happens. I don't, it happens. I don't know. I can't it even, happens. And there, can't explain and it. Gonna be good some, and there probably will be a good Steeler fan representation there in L.A. too, like almost we saw with Dallas a couple nights ago when Dallas went into LV or into, into, into L.A. and just totally showed up. I mean, it's like you, you show how like there's just going to be one of those situations where – there's, they're also gonna. The Steelers could get some momentum going and feel really well about where, um, about where things are in Dallas and in, in, in LA again, like showing up as 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 fans and and then basically LA Stadium, the LA uh, Rams yeah. Stadium, when like it should have been a Rams home game. I mean, remember how many Cowboy fans were there when CD Lamb was 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 balling to the crowd and everything like that? Man, that's another situation that could set up for me on Sunday and bring home it for the for the Steelers rather. Yeah, as an LA resident, I would bet my life that there's more Steeler fans in that in SoFi Stadium yeah. Sunday than Rams fans. Like, there's Steelers will have more fans, hundred percent. So you got to agree with me on like that it. one. But it's it is a lean to the Rams. Your final pick. You're really putting your dick on the table with this one. Why? And and how did you get to the window with the Denver Broncos hosting the Green Bay Packers? I, I, I yes, uh, Denver Broncos. Dude, Denver Broncos getting one point, by the way, on Green Bay. I mean, depending on your favorite side, you know, we like, we talk about points bet and so forth. Like, you're looking at one, maybe one and a half going to Denver here. Uh, Green Bay favored by one, one and a half. I mean, I'll tell you how I got to the window on this. I crawled and screamed and cried. And I, and I, and I barked like a dog because of the fact that, like, this feels, again, like a horrible bet. This feels like, again, something that can't possibly happen. But – We've seen Jordan Love recently, and he's, he's, he's regressed. I mean, there's no joke there. Um, they can't even beat Las Vegas. Blown out by Detroit, as you mentioned, on, on, on Thursday night. And we've seen the Broncos, man. I feel like the Broncos are starting to put something together. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're going to put together a three-win season. Whatever. They're home. It's the second slot of games. It's kind of that, that Western feel. You know, we got the, the Green Bay coming in from afar. And you've got, you know, Russell Wilson, man who's starting to feel, it looks like, a little bit more comfortable. And look at the stats. Russell Wilson's numbers, way better than Jay Love's. I know your boy. Some of the running backs, dude, you talk about Green Bay all the time, Green Bay running. There's no running game in Green Bay for some reason because nobody respects Jordan Love. I mean, there's a lot of things going on offensively and defensively here that make the spread actually – I think the spread's wrong. I think it should be Denver favored or pick them. And so I'll take the points. I'll take the one, one and a half and watch Green Bay show up and completely disappoint fans more and more as they fall to two and four on Sunday. No, I don't hate it. I, I honestly couldn't bet either side of this. I think me and you were both on the Denver Broncos plus eight and a half at uh, the Chiefs on Thursday Chiefs. Night Football, and I felt so stupid when they lost that game and just put up a pathetic performance. So 
again, you they were in that game too, Jeff. Isn't that weird though? They were kind of in that game in and out. I mean, Russell played okay. They lost by eleven, but that wasn't. I mean, that bet sucked because it lost. But they also were in that game to almost cover. Do you know what I mean? Like, they have been in some of these games. I mean, the easiest way to put it is if you told me ahead of time the Chiefs would score 19 points, you can have eight and a half with the Broncos. I'd be like, all right, I'll take it, you know? Right. They'll probably get to 14 and cover that. So, I can't say it was a bad beat. I'm just – I just don't want that feeling again. No, tough beat. Here's here's something crazy. It was the loneliest feeling ever. (laughs) Well, 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 Jeff, we had each other, bro. Come on, man. Big hugs to you over the the pod. Here's the quick thing, man. This is nuts, okay? Let's look at some stats here again because I love doing this because it's like – this is what public people look at. This is what public betters think. This is what some of the line movement, I think, is behind it. We look at capital flows. Total yards average, Green Bay, about 300, 298.2 yards roughly. Denver, total yards average per game, 325 almost, 324 and change. Okay, yards allowed, dude. Green Bay's given up 358 58 yards total. Most of it's through the air, but there's been a good amount on the ground. Yards allowed from Denver, 458 and 285 on the on, on the air. Nobody's worried about Jordan Love. I'm not worried about the Packers offense. Here's the thing. You take out that splashdown against Miami where they gave up like a 1,500 points or whatever to the Dolphins, and you take out that offensive explosion that Tua and the group had, Tyreek and all the guys, you don't really have – you've got a Broncos team defensively that looks okay. They look a lot better than they do in that game. And not like we want to sparse games and take this out and take that out. This doesn't mean anything that does. But I'm just saying there's some skew here to the stats that, like I said, bro, I'll say it for the last time, mean revert. So things are going to slowly come back down to that medium of where the where the books and where the sports fans want it to be. And so I think it starts or keeps going again, say, on Sunday with Green Bay coming in and laying a stinker. I might title this podcast Mean Reversion in NFL Week 7. That's Only what... if it works. Only if it works. If we see it happen, then there you go. That's what we'll call it, we'll call it next week. <laughs> All right. I was going to try to uh, get a, get out in front of it and call this, this one Mean re- Reversion, but fair well, enough. You got it. You got it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, this has to be a get-right week for us. You and I, you were, were flirting with a 3-0 and week for – the first four or three weeks that you're doing this podcast. Four. Yeah, four. Four in a row. So, I know uh I know last week was tough for you, it was tough for me. So hopefully we can bounce back and get an undefeated week under our belts. I I'm feeling confident. And and if we can't do it and we want barking dogs, I'll just go out and get myself a yellow lab this weekend and just have him watch the game so fan he'll be barking at the screen. <laughs> All right. Well Scott, thanks for hanging out again, dude. I love talking uh football with you. Best of luck to you this weekend. Best of luck to all you listeners, whether you fade or follow us. Uh, Leave Outkick Bets a nice podcast review on Apple Podcasts. Follow Scott Martin at Scotty Markets on X, Twitter, whatever. Uh, Follow me at Jeffrey underscore Clark. More importantly, follow the podcast at Outkick Bets. Until next week, peace.